It's time for Series 3 of Shooting the Breeze. As we continue our focus on women's basketball, we'll be talking to more of the amazing players in the WNBL, the coaches that inspire them, those people behind the scenes that do so much for the sport, as well as so many more from across the Australian women's basketball landscape and beyond. It's the 42nd WNBL season, the longest-running women's professional league in the country, and this year, 2022, Sydney will stage the FIBA Women's World Cup, featuring the 12 best women's teams on the planet, playing right here on our turf. There's so much to come in this season. Subscribe, like, and review our podcast so we can get more Hoops content to you. We want to welcome on board the Island Pacific Soap Company as our first commercial partner. They make high-quality, all-natural, handcrafted bath soap. Check them out online, and a big shout-out to Paul for all the support. Like, I don't want to say it's a renewed energy about women's basketball here, but because the Tohi Aotearoa competition is so groundbreaking, I mean, history's going to be made Wednesday night because they haven't really had a proper league in who knows how long or if ever. So it's going to be really cool. Saddle up for a big podcast. Passionate New Zealand Hoops fan and PhD researcher Lyndon Moore, hailing from Pleasanton in the Bay Area of Northern California, is doing her doctorate around New Zealand women's basketball at Auckland University of Technology. She's currently on the ground in Auckland, living the dream of following the historic Tauihi basketball Aotearoa in its first season and its impact amongst locals and Hoops fans that have waited too long for this groundbreaking pay parity women's league. She gives us an overview of the teams, the coaches and the players in an episode recorded on the eve of the first game in Christchurch between mainland Puakai and southern Hoiho. Then we slip in a WNBL free agency, my co-host Jacinta Gavin's favourite time of the year. And we get into the oh-so-slow drip feed of WNBL signings since our last update. Grab a warm cuppa and enjoy the show. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining us today from New Zealand is Lyndon Moore and, of course, my co-host Jacinta Gavin. Welcome to the show. Hello. It's good to, good to see you guys. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. It's great having you. And look, we're really excited to talk about what's happening with women's basketball in New Zealand. As we're recording this, they're about to launch a whole new competition, which is really exciting. And we've already spoken with Justin Nelson from Sky Sports in relation to the league. And of course, we'd love to get your opinion since you're on the ground there. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's really cool. I mean, Having, I mean, that being said, I've only been here 10 days so far, but the spirit and the energy around it has just been super infectious. Um, maybe just ask because of those circles I run in, but I mean, social media everywhere. And I know like the cities too are getting behind it. Uh, say like Christchurch where the opening game is going to be, the Puaka and the Hoiho. Um, I think too, it's, I'm sure you guys have seen, like there's a bunch of stuff going on. And I think just there's kind of not like I don't want to say it's a renewed energy about women's basketball here, but because the Tohi Aotearoa competition is so groundbreaking, I mean, history is going to be made Wednesday night because they haven't really had a proper league in who knows how long or if ever. So it's going to be really cool. And I think everyone's just, and everyone I've talked to, at least in the community, is just fizzing 
fuzzing to get in the trenches and the players are just, I know players especially just can't wait to be able to go. And most of, you know, the ones who are from New Zealand to finally be able to play at home, get paid and just do what they love. And I think now that they're in a position to do that, it's just, everyone's just buzzing, I think. A lot of people in Australia aren't necessarily across the specifics of the league. They don't necessarily know who are key members of teams, coaches, and what regions they represent, especially given that they've shrunk the the league down to the five teams and they're more regionally represented. So they're actually going to play not only in, in the major cities, but actually out in the regions as well, which is fantastic. So can you give us a bit of a rundown on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think same. What's really cool about this is that there's a bit stress around like they play in certain places, but they these teams represent a certain region, um, like you had said before. And so, just to give you a quick rundown, because I mean I could talk for ages about this stuff just because it's so cool and go in depth. But um, then do a quick, just kind of a quick brief on all of them. So the Northern Kahu, which is the ones the team that I'm closest to, they represent Auckland and the Northland. Uh, there's a lot of homegrown Auckland talent here. Um, Auckland Waikato, you'll see uh, Jody Cameron, who New Zealand will definitely know. She's a legend. She's also the tall friend. She's going to be coaching them, which is awesome. A uh, couple standouts on this team to me, Michaela Cox, which I'm sure a lot of people in Australia are familiar with, uh, to have Michaela home. That just, I mean, I know there's a lot of excitement for her and her whanau. Uh, her family that she's now home where she's from and being able to finally play uh, the soil where she grew up. Uh, Crystal Ledger Walker, uh, she's also someone really, uh, I'm sure you guys heard of her coming from Washington State, um, but that's another big get for the Kahu. She's definitely someone to watch. Uh, Tara Reed, uh, someone she's Auckland Taranga, but uh, moved to the States at 14, so to have her back home after playing at VCU and USC is fantastic. Uh, so that's going to be really great for them. Uh, so then we shift from that to Mid-North Phi, which is really the Bay of Plain region, I believe. Um, that team, I I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I would say all these teams intrigue me, but Phi for sure, uh, because, I mean, I, I talked about her a lot, and I think New Zealand too is uh, Kendall Haramiah. I'm not, not sure if you guys have heard of her, but she was over uh, in the States for five years at Fordham. Um, and I think, I'll say, I'm going to go on a and say she's pretty underrated, um, but she tallied, you know, over 1,200 points over the course of her time in the U.S. And she's ranking fifth time, fifth all-time, I guess, uh, amongst the New Zealand women in that category. Um, and then she's also, she also nailed, I mean, she's a bucket. She got 11 three-pointers. Um, which is a Fordham record. So uh, she's a bucket. She's also a really good leader. And she's, I think, just another one of those people that's just really, really worth, you know, being excited about. Uh, Tiana Clark, she actually grew up in Oakland, but they got her down to five. Um, she's been on the conference three at three team. Uh, another, we have, they all call her the walking bucket for a reason. So definitely someone to watch there. Um, and then Ezra McGoldrick, up and coming, uh, another 3 x 3 debut for the Tolferns in 2019. Really, really good. Um, got a lot of height and a lot of flexibility. And what I do love about that, that team as well, uh, because Mel Bennett is actually an up and coming coach. 
uh, throughout New Zealand that I don't think a ton of people know about yet, although she's been around the age group levels and such. Uh, she's going to be heading their team up, but it seems really stuck out to me as their culture. And uh, they've been doing a lot of bonding and they've really been showing that on social media. And um, obviously Dominique McBride um, and Alliance of some of the other imports coming in. So it's going to be another team to watch as well. Uh, Dorna Tokwanawa Queens, they representing Wellington, Taranaki, Palmerston North, Hawks Bay, so the last of the North Island. That's uh, got a really good brand going. They've got some really special people behind it. My top one's Lily Tole. Uh, another one of say like New Zealand's top young females right now. Uh, got a bunch of Division One offers uh, on the table, and she's a really great contributor. Jessica Bethley, or Tolfern, um, little Wellington girl. So it's going to be really good to see her back and playing. Uh, she was also in the states, so decided to see what she can bring uh, after being home for a couple of years. Uh, and of course, Stella Beck, uh, who was over with the Melbourne Boomers. Uh, after she did come home to New Zealand, and so it's, you know, we all missed seeing her. So it's going to be great. She's a new captain, I believe. And then uh, Tolfer and Olympian Tanya Tupu is going to be leading that charge. So that's going to be really exciting. And then we finally have the last two going down to the South Island, the mainland Puakai. Uh, it's going to be the Upper South. So it's going to be Canterbury regions, Nelson, uh, the beloved. Tully Bevelacqua. So it's going to be really good to have Tully here at the helm. She looks like she's been pulling out a lot of the stops, uh, but she's getting her some Christchurch locals back. Tessa Boagney. Uh, it's going to be great to see her back after uh, she had her baby a couple years ago. Mary Goulding, I'm sure Australians will know, the Bendigo spirit. Um, she's been also really great. It's going to be great to see her. Um, Ringuara Proud. It's going to be back playing in her, her home region. Uh, Lauren Hippolyte, I'd say just she's. I'd say Lauren's probably been one of my favorites to follow. I couldn't even say that, but she definitely has been just because she's been working so hard and a championship with the Boomers as well. So it's pretty cool. And then another name I would say from that team to have just in mind is Maya Jones as a development player um, coming from Nelson. Uh, her mom, Kat's actually an assistant. Part of a really good basketball family. Uh, but Maya is actually over in Jordan um, at the under 16s right now. So uh, doing really well, but she's someone definitely to know. And then finally, uh, the lower South, Southern Hoi Ho. Uh, this one's also, they've got a lot of local talent. So that would say Zoe Richards for sure coming from, she's over in NBL one for Baker to have her back, Nicole Rusk. And then the other one is um, from Ari Gallagher. She's a, uh, been out for a couple years too. I think she had some concussions. A really good story just came out. But to uh, have her back captaining the team, I think there was a great story that was just out, uh, came out, I think, I believe yesterday or the day before on her talking about just um, how this is really a dream come true to be at home and to uh, be able to represent, you know, where she's from. So sorry that was a little long, but that's pretty much the rundown. <laughs> I really like that the when we interviewed Justin Nelson about it, uh, is it earlier this year? Uh, yep. Who knows? The whole year has been mushed into one. But um, we're still in 2020, aren't we? But uh, when we went to be Justin, he was telling us about these teams too, and it was interesting there were only five, but the way he explained it in a sense of establishing a brand-new league 
with a higher salary cap that's going to be focusing on quality rather than quantity. Five teams representing a region made so much more sense and especially in a sustainability sense for the league. Um, and we're really excited with all of the, the branding coming out, the promo coming out, the graphics, like everything looked really professional and that's the thing that's hyping me up online. But having said that, the three of us have pretty are pretty lucky that we've kind of catered our social media relationships to a very like positive basketball kind of microcosm kind of thing. So we're hyped about it over here. But, you know, considering that it's a brand new league rooted in local talent over there, surely there must be as hyped over there, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Like there's been a lot of talk. I think there's always room for more, but especially the basketball community has just been fizzing about it. And I think just everyone's ready to jump at the opportunity. Um, and especially for the girls, the younger ones that are starting out or playing at age group level to see these players, you know, up close and personal, you know, perfecting their craft and doing their thing. That's huge. And so the excitement, I think, is just continuing to develop. I mean, I know I'm a little biased, but I'm super excited. Um, and so I joined in on that, but it's, it's really cool. And I can see it. And from the people that I've spoken to just in the time that I've been here who have been involved or just casual basketball fans, like their eyes light up, like they're just, they're jumping at the opportunity now. And especially for those who have been around the game for a long time, they've been waiting for something like this to happen. You know, they haven't seen it yet. So finally it's come to fruition. Yeah. The excitement is definitely up there. And has it uh, has it reached mainstream media over there? Like we're seeing lots of press shots and stuff like that. But uh, you know, is it on like the Project New Zealand edition? And is it on um, you know mainstream news, mainstream print journalism, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think there's always room for more, but always have. But there's definitely been more coverage. I would say uh, there's been some of the I'm gonna say like the Herald. Not so much, but stuff to Coda and Zed's another good outlet over here. They've been doing some good stories. Locker room uh, through News Hub, they do a lot. They're all focused on women's sports. There's been a lot of coverage out of there, um, and they get a really broad reach. So it's been definitely picked up by more, and it seems like from what I could tell, uh, the media day, there was there were a lot of stories coming out of there from the locker room and like stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely reached, I think, a broader audience because of that. One of the things that I saw today that really surprised me is that the Queens announced that somebody's coming across from netball mm-hmm. to play basketball. Yeah, Elias. She's really yeah. It's been good. To, it's good to see her back. I haven't actually been able to see her play, but as I know, because there are a lot of those girls who will go back and forth. But yeah, it's good to see her back with basketball. Uh, there was a competition a couple of years ago with Southland down in Chicago. I believe she was on that roster. But then she, I think she went back to netball um, and then basketball wasn't really happening. So, yeah, she's making that transition back over, which is really cool. I'm thinking that a lot of the attention is coming from the fact that it seems to be more professionally organized. Right? Having Again, going back to our discussion with Justin, it seems that there's a lot more focus on fans. There's mm-hmm. a lot more focus on professionalism and there's a lot more focus on making sure that not only does a competition provide a good quality of play, but also it helps to strengthen the Tall Ferns program because of that follow-on, which is we're going to do a few a few weeks of, of Tall fern stuff after the season's over. Yeah, absolutely. And to have that opportunity and because honestly, like there's the depth is, there's, becoming, there's more and more depth now with the girls, especially because that's always been kind of something in the past that's like, eh. 
that's really been there, but now it's really growing. And so to have some of that culture and stuff following everything is definitely going to be really good. It's also really helpful that Guy Malloy is back in the country here. So he's actually able to see, go to these games and sit down and see these girls play. So it's really, it's just kind of planning, I think, for the future. And the tall firms are only going to get better because of it. And he's not coaching a team, right? He's just going to oversee everything. And like you said, just go to go to the games and, and do some scouting. Yeah, he was with the Saints, uh, the South NBL, and then uh, the whole separate conversation. But unfortunately, that is no longer the case. So, uh, but it's good that uh, he's still here. You know, he's going to be doing a lot. So, yeah, I'd say a loss for the Saints for sure, but great to, you know, just that much more time he can spend really scouting these girls. If we look at it, first game's coming up on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yep. It really is a complete unknown because it's a totally new league, new rosters, new coaches, new everything. So we're going to put you on the spot and ask you who you, who you think is the team to watch out for in this first game. I don't want to count anybody out. I think the Plaka for sure. Um, they actually, I would not be surprised. I mean, this is way too early prediction to see them go at least to the finals just based on their roster um, and the strength of the coaching staff that totally has put together. So I think the Hoiho though, it may take a little bit to kind of get everything gelled together, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't count them out entirely, but I think the Plaka I have a, I would say those, they're going to be my pick for the first game. But that being said, I could still be the first game nerd. Who knows? Anything can happen. And why a Wednesday night, do you know? And not a Friday or Saturday? Great question. I don't know. And actually a lot of the games I was going through the schedule, there's a good amount of weekday games. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that's just availability or what it is, but yeah. No, it's, but it's also a holiday time too, school holidays. So, uh, or at least for some, for some of them. So hopefully people will be able to get out. Are there any other uh, local semi-pro sporting leagues happening at the moment that they might be competing with? Like I know over here, it is a rugby league season, which is professional, but at the same time, like if we've got our semi-pro league happening, there's also other sports competing in winter. So I wonder if it's the same in New Zealand. Yeah, I'd say I, this is how fresh I am to this country. I don't know what time. I know because the South NBL for the men, they're also going at the same time right now there's going to be some pull with that. And so it's going to be definitely busy because a lot of those franchises have men's teams in similar regions or same cities where they are. So that's part of it. But there is always there's always something going on around here. I can say that. It's not as in-depth of an answer as I would have given, but it's the honest one. <laughs> one of the things we heard about is that Tully's team have actually put a call out to and basically been asking will, if anybody's willing to buy seats for people who can't afford to go to yes how's that been received over there it seems like it's being received fairly well because i was going through some of the mentions and the comments on the posting on twitter and such and it looks like there's been a lot of interest which is really cool um and the thing is with especially with christchurch the fans in canterbury i think canterbury basketball is another another story because like everybody there's just there's a passion for it there and i think people want to help out with as much as they can um, so it looks like this thing's received really well, and there's just a lot to like about it. And there's a lot to like about that team too, and there's something to be said for like allowing, because like, the reality is like not everyone can afford to go, even though they're trying to make those ticket prices affordable for folks. But as far as I think it's received super well. I mean, I know I loved it, and I think I think everybody's been encouraged by that. Really good way to bring the community together as well, like especially for an opening 
opening night for the new team and a new league and just trying to put cheeks on seats as well, but a really good way to bring community together. Yeah, especially down there too, because there's honestly like having been to Cowell Stadium where they're going to be playing, they've, it's just they pack it and they have a great time and there's just something special about it and to be able to share that um, and have the opportunity for more people is just really special. Um, and it really just gets, you know, gets people involved, like you said, kind of one step further, especially now with everything going on. Like this, there's really no better time. And everybody should get a chance to see it. Get, you know, it's going to get into history on Wednesday night. So it's been really cool. It's it's an interesting thing because, you know, normally the, the trend is, and as we were talking about just before we started the, the podcast, the trend is that ticket pricing goes up mm-hmm. and it becomes more and more unaffordable for you know for a lot of fans they just can't afford to spend that sort of money and i know i've seen some pricing for some tickets for games here uh for men's teams they're talking seven grand for a season for one seat oh my god and it's like okay i understand you know you need to recover costs and and i get all that but there's an awful lot of people who are just not going to be able to go to a game yeah, and that's a and that's a point kind of where I get very really not passionate, but it's and that's why kind of something that's so different here that I really liked is that here you can experience in New Zealand a you know really good quality basketball game, but you don't have to break the bank for a game or even for a season to go. And same with the men, and it's also and the same with the women. Like it's it's more accessible, I would say, because like coming from back in California where I'm from, like. The NBA is just insane. The WNBA, like they're still, like it's still not bad, but you know, not everyone's gonna be able to do that. Um, I had no idea about those prices in Australia. That's crazy. But here, you know, but in New Zealand, like I think maybe rugby would be an exception, depending on what series it would be. But yeah, like you're able to get you're able to get some good quality stuff for a decent price at least, and hopefully that like there's a sustainable model where that can stay in place. Well, I think, and this is where the the whole New Zealand model is really interesting because the salaries are being paid by Sky Sports NZ. It takes a lot of the pressure off the clubs to hoist the ticket prices to cover the, the salary costs. So what, in effect, what they're doing is they're allowing the clubs to keep ticket pricing reasonable or at a reasonable level to get more people in and get more people involved in the game, which then also hope, you know, I'm sure they're, they're looking at it as, well, maybe we can get another team to expand to take it to six because we've got the interest. It seems like a, a much more sustainable model longer term because by having Sky Sports funding the, the salaries, you're effectively saying, we're in this together. We're helping you build a great product which we can then show, which will bring more viewers, which will allow us to grow the competition even more. Again, from what Justin was saying about the structure of ownership, it's not so much the US-style ownership, which is, hey, I've got lots of money, I'm going to go buy a team. It's We've got investors, we've got sporting associations, we've got basketball associations, so they're all coming together to effectively own the teams and do it in a, in a way that's not going to break the bank or not force people to be able to have to push those prices up because also a big chunk of the expense is being borne. How do you think that sort of a model is going to help establish the competition in New Zealand and help it grow? That's a good question. 
Um, I think just kind of being able to keep people engaged because they, they know they know it's accessible. I, I, I always say about this league is accessibility and being able to establish yourself as something that is good quality, but uh, realistic. And so I think that model that you just you had just described, what you sound like very clever to all, all miss the others. But I think there's going to be something that is definitely coming out of that. Um, I think, I mean, obviously it remains to be seen, but I think there's, it just holds nothing but promise in my eyes for what it's going to look like because of it. I'm really excited to see how the whole thing operates, not only at the game level, but also operationally. I always have this sneaking suspicion that if you're in a place that's got a very large population, like the United States, there's a particular ownership model that works. If you're in a country with a smaller population base, like Australia and New Zealand, the US model may not necessarily translate as well because you've got a lot of competition for eyeballs to start with. And on top of that, there's a significant cost that's got to be borne by the owners. And at some point, they're going to want to, pro- they're going to, want to be able to break even and make a profit or break even at best. And that's not necessarily an easy thing to do when you've got a smaller population because there's other opportunities for activities that kind of will take your attention away. So this is why I'm really excited to see how this is going to work. Yeah, absolutely. And because the structure, to your point, like the structure is so different in the U.S. compared to Australia and New Zealand, the small, you know, the smaller places like both these two countries like had to find their own ways to succeed. And it seems like so far. It tends there tends to be something good about it and it tends to be there is success attached and so i think this and the brains behind this one like they i know they've been working really hard um to try and find it and they've got a lot of good experienced people in the room to kind of take care of that so i think it's going to be really good and i'm also really interested to see how it's going to play out but it seems like gauging on the interest from what i've seen like the excitement is there like people want to go so i, ha- I have high hopes for how it's going to look and how it's going to turn out for sure cool now I know that there's a really, really important question that Jacinta wants to get into, probably related around merch and availability of merch in Australia. <laughs> oh, oh, no. What is Paul prompting me for? I can't remember. Uh, listen, I've, I'm glad that you prompted because both of you have probably seen over the last couple of days I'm just commenting on random threads either that either you have shared or, or the clubs in this new league have shared where I'm like, oh, can I pre-order this jersey? Which player should I get? Oh, the red ones look nice. Like it probably sounds really like superficial and perhaps not very basketball related at all, but just their branding and the graphics and the presentation of how like they kind of drip fed everything. I just got so sucked into it and I thought that was like, really, really clever delivery of how to introduce a brand new league into an already competitive market at the time where women's sport is getting further and further, you know, pushed to the front. But at the same time, women's rights are getting further and further pushed to the back, which is a whole other thing. But um, the jerseys alone are like, I don't care if they come free. Nice, though. Those Stingray jerseys with like, the nice magenta or the bright teal and the black trim. Oh, my word. Yeah. So nice. So nice. They are – they're easy. Yeah, I could easily spend my whole bank account. And will they be – Rubbing all of them. Like Paul was saying, because I've traditionally not really into jerseys and stuff until uh, in the last 12 months, like making connections with people like yourself and a couple of other of our listeners over Instagram, and they asked me, oh, what's your favourite jersey? And I'm like – I. I don't know, my 
like the ones that I own that I played in and they, they I mean think they ask you that same I question. I don't own any. I just yeah, so now I've I've gone ahead and bought four Indigenous round WNBL jerseys which are still waiting to be received. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I saw something about that. Yeah, I ordered them in like March, April and I'm still waiting for them. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to, to get them so I can go and wear them to Sunday scrimmage, wear it to the gym. They're all the indigenous rounds one. And that's already going to start a great conversation, but then I can lead into, well, this is, you know, Steph Talbot and she's an Olympian and she plays in the WNBA and this is how good we are. And with the, what the New Zealand teams are bringing with their designs, like I'd love to do the same, but are they actually going to be on sale? That's the big thing. (laughs) Yeah. The pressing question, because actually you're, and you're not the first one to ask that, but I've seen all over social media. To my knowledge, they should be. I don't know in terms of like where you can buy them. I know I was at a preseason match for the Kahu and they were pre-ordering stuff. Uh, the members saying, but I'm sure that that's going to be on sale. I think at games, the Queens are going to have things. I'm sure the Palaka, I think everybody. In terms of how you comp it, that remains to be seen. Uh, but I will ha- I will put out a PSA. If once I find out, I will share far and wide, so the world yeah. can get it. I got a question to, to ask you both: the jersey design for for Christchurch's team. I mean, I looked at it and I did a double take because the first thing I thought was, "Is that Perth?" Oh, with the red. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the colorway. Hey. Oh, yeah, the red. And I'm thinking, did Tully sneak in the the West Australian connection into that one? I say, well, this space, the um, you know, I didn't think of it in those terms until just now. Yeah. Uh, but they, <laughs> thank you Paul, for that. I well, so what I recall from a couple of years ago when it was previously the WBC, uh, twenty nineteen, they were also wearing red. Uh, because okay. there's a lot, there's a lot of red down there. Uh, the Canterbury Rams, which is the South and the Men team, they were red. Uh, so I think red just tends to be a. Uh, Christchurch oriented color but that being said I'm sure there's got to be some totally influence in there there's got to be yeah yeah <laughs> totally at least it's offset by like the navy blue and the yellow so it's not too close to yeah Perth because yeah I'm glad you kind of brought that up though Paul because if I bought one and then only realized after I'm going to look up at the log <laughs> I would have been really upset with myself <laughs> But it sounds silly that we're asking if they're on sale because, like we mentioned, you both also saw and our listeners are probably saw and were a part of it too, but during the WNBL season, there was the reach-out shirts, there was the Indigenous round shirts, there were the Indigenous jerseys, and yep. I don't think the league had planned to put any of them on sale until we pushed for it online where we're like, are these on sale? Are the profits going to go towards a mental health charity or Indigenous Basketball Australia? You know, this is opportunities for like really easy opportunities to create partnerships between the WNBL and, uh, you know, other local NGOs and charities to tie it all in together. Like that sense of community we were talking about before with Tully's team, you know, asking people, hey, why don't you buy a ticket for someone less fortunate? Uh, Just missed opportunities. And even more recently today, uh, MBL1 had a mental health round where all teams had a mental health in Australia on the same weekend and now me being in New South Wales kept seeing a lot of stuff about it online from Basketball Victoria and NBL One South and how you know you can buy the orange socks this is what the socks look like all the profits go to Lifeline 
So, you know, we're messaging Basketball New South Wales, we're tagging NBL One East, nothing back until someone else, another commentator from another club, shout out to Mookie, actually put up a link saying, you know you can buy the East socks. And it's like the round was like last week or the week before already and we're only learning two weeks after that we can buy the socks and the proceeds go to Lifeline. Like, come on, guys. So I missed the assignment. So, yeah, exactly. It's the questions we really shouldn't be asking, but unfortunately, it's, we have to ask. But it, it's interesting because, you know, with the launch of the, like you were saying, with the launch of New Zealand, one of the things that was really interesting is the way they did do the build-up, the way they did do the marketing, the way they released the logos and, you know, did all of that. The displays that went up in the streets of Christchurch announcing that Tully mm-hmm. was going to be the coach, all of that stuff you could see there was a lot of smarts put behind it. I'd be really surprised if they weren't going to sell hmm. merchandise. I'm sure the company that they will. I, I think as far as I know, most of the team, like teams or Louise, a couple of them I know, they are. So I think everybody is going to do it, but it's just too good of an opportunity. Yeah. And, and look, to be honest, I'd be really surprised if people like Justin and Hugh Bainan hadn't thought, well, you know, we, we definitely have to do this early on in the piece. It makes me wonder our own local competitions here don't focus on those opportunities to be able to just engage. I mean, you know, the more you see the jerseys out there on the street, people are going to notice. When they notice, they're going to, yeah, from every hundred people that notice, one's going to ask the question. And over a period of time, those ones end up adding to the fan base, which helps to grow the sport. And it's great that you brought that up because there's actually, a, it reminded me of a story. So Molly Coburn, she's actually from Christchurch, but she, and she grew up playing reps and everything through there. They, uh, so back when the Christchurch Sirens were in the WNBL, uh, she and her, I forget what age group it was, they're going to a national somewhere in Oakland, I think. And she was telling me this, and I guess right before, I don't know how they got these shirts, but their coach pulled out, like, right before they left, like, like these Christchurch siren shirts, uh, the, the siren shirts for all these girls to wear. And they all got so excited. And she said, I don't know where she got, but it was just so cool. And, like, you know, people were talking about it all over. And so it's just, these, I think, with the billboards, too, like, I mean, there's, I think people want to talk about it um, and just to see them around, like, around the street and just to show the pride to and really build that culture. So now, Lyndon, we're going to have to, we're going to jump across to talking about free agency for the WNBL. You're more than welcome to stay on and give us any ideas, suggestions, opinions, whatever, as we go through this. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to say about what's happening with free agency, and I know this is one of your favorite times of the year is how many people are going to Europe? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That really has surprised me. I mean, Tolo's staying in Europe, moving clubs, but staying in Europe. But the number of people who are going across, like Ezzy, Lindsay Allen's going over. Brittany Brit's, Sykes. Yeah, Britt Sykes. Maddie Garrick has just signed with an Italian Italy. team. Yep. Um, that surprised Gale. me. I'm not going to be I'm – not, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was surprised to see Maddie go. Yeah. Smith was the one that surprised me as well. So here's my question. Why? <laughs> Apart well, from the money, which is the obvious one, you know, but why? I feel like for players like Gary, 
I mean, Alana Smith, she was at Stanford. I mean, she was what the, was she not the first Australian female to sign at Stanford? Uh, so that's already quite prestigious. Yep. Then she went straight from Stanford to the WNBA and only recently came and played her first season of WNBL. I feel like she's already started with such a high standard early on in her career. It's perhaps something that she wants to maintain and perhaps she feels like she's only going to really push herself uh, and maybe evolve her game a little bit more if she goes to Europe. That was my thinking behind it. She's already set the bar quite high for herself you know, through college. So that was my thinking behind it. In terms of Ezzy, you know, Ezzy, Darcy, even Maddie Garrick, they've played WNBL for a while, a little while now. Even though they're all still young and they've still got lots of playing days ahead of them, they still have come up through the ranks of WNBL. They've established themselves as dominant players. And I also think with them, it's probably a case of evolving their game further. You know, for Ezzy, she's a regular now in the WNBA. She starts with the Seattle Storm. It only makes sense for her to just also maintain that that level and go and play against and, and in a league that is a di- totally different playing style and that would be in Europe. Whereas Maddie, I feel like she, she's been a consistent player in the WNBL and she's probably at the point of her career where she knows that she's not going to make an Opals, but, you know, she's still in the squad or on the cusp of the three three by three squad. So... If her playing, you know, depending where she wants to go in her career, why not just go and give Europe a chance because it might be one of the last opportunities that she perhaps gets to do something like that. And Darcy, you know, she wants to break through into the Opals roster, especially um, aiming for Paris in 2024. I think she also needs to go and challenge herself out there as well. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I thought was thinking too, just in terms of the challenge. I think Alana made a little bit a little bit of sense to just the end like the kind of standard that she's trying to set for herself, but also but I think I, I will say I was surprised at first with Ezzy, but now I think just with I think she's just on the new lights. so I think Europe will be a really good next stepping stone for her. But yeah, even the imports we saw in the WNBL last year, last season, you got Brittany Sykes, Mabry, I think there was one other perhaps, but they're they're going to Europe as well. Yeah. I think Mabry, yeah, Mabry is signed to... Mabry has, yeah. Lindsay Allen? Lindsay Allen's going, yep. Yep. I'm looking at it and now I'm thinking how much all those moves have opened up slots for up-and-coming players to come from NBL1 into WNBL. Kind of throws the whole free agency open again. Well, also, I think it's great timing because when we spoke to Tom and Renee Garlop last year, and we kind of talked about the worry of all these really talented college players that are about to finish and come home, is there going to be any roster spots for them and, and where are they going to go? Because they're probably not quite good enough to go straight to Europe's all of them, and we would want them to be rooted back home too, but maybe it's going to open up like Mila Goodchild's back, Chloe Bibby's back. Yep. Um, I'm sure there are a couple more that are that I can't quite think of now. But, yeah, that's hopefully – I'm really, really hoping that they both sign somewhere in the WNBL. Yeah, did especially... Amy Atwell sign? Yeah, she did. She signed with the Perth Lynx. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so yeah and you you got to think that with the openings that are going to be appearing in a lot of the rosters now with these changes, they must have a real good shot to get into into the WNBL. Mm, surely. Because, I mean, good shards come from Duke. Chloe Bibby's come from Maryland and she's a gun. Um, yep. It'd be silly not to sign them. The other thing that's been interesting yeah. is, I've got to admit, 
there's a couple of the ones that have surprised me is even though we'd you said that you'd heard noises about this, Kelsey Griffin going to Bendigo. Mm-hmm. I think that would have surprised a lot of the Canberra fans, I think. Yeah, I remember when we I started to try and uh, ruffle some feathers on, on Twitter that I don't think a lot of people really took the bait, tried to get some free agency chat going because I was bored with the limited number of announcements. Someone, a Canberra fan, did message me personally and say, "Is do you know that for a fact or are you just kind of guessing? And me being me just said both. But... Uh, <laughs> I wasn't surprised she signed. I was surprised that she signed for three years. Yeah, that was that was the next thing I was going to get to. Three years, you you got to be saying that's got to be pretty much the career. Yeah. And so I'm just going to pull up her Instagram post again. She did uh, take time to write a, quite a long Instagram post and note to the Canberra fans. Yeah, but she said, three-year deal gives me flexibility to prioritise my family. Uh, so this is why Erin and I are excited to be heading back to Bendigo. So perhaps in her contract there is an option to, uh, you know, if she plays two years and a third year has an option to coach or an option to yeah. do something else in the club perhaps. Yep. Yeah. What do you think, Lyndon? Yeah, I think along the same lines, to be honest. Um, I think there's there's a lot of room for her to kind of go with Bendigo there. Yeah, I think it's a good move. I, I'm a little surprised though. I will say that. I'm expecting Kelly Wilson to to sign as well. Uh, she's already there in Bendigo playing NBL one. I feel like they love they're great together. Both might want to follow Coach Kennedy. And the other thing is Bendigo only had two contracted players from the last season, so their roster is wide open, and they've got new owners. Yeah, and one of the other ones that was I felt was a bit of a left field announcement was from the Flames with Hannah Sjurvin coming from the Lynx. I was really surprised by that one. What do you guys think about uh, about that announcement? I don't know much about it, to be honest. So, Lyndon, you might have more insight than me. I am going to say, I don't know a ton either. Yeah, I, all I know is that she played for South Dakota in the last two years of college, and she did get drafted in the third round to the Lynx, but she's already been waived. So I'm not too sure what she's doing in the meantime and like how she came across Shane Hill's radar. Yeah, but like that was my thing because like I hadn't heard much about her. Mm. Um, so other than what you had just listed there. So I don't know. But it should be a good contribution to Flames though. Now, I mean, I got I got to say this. I hope that the Flames import situation is way more stable than it was last year. The revolving door of imports. Unfortunately, I know there are so many, and this is so sad because there are so many storylines coming out of the flames that were worth talking about. But honestly, what I knew them for was the revolving door of imports. It was just such a strange situation. I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. So I like listen to your guys' podcast and like you guys addressed it a little bit, but it was just, like, I don't know. I didn't say much on it. You guys might have more info than I would on that. I suppose the thing was that you don't expect that such a high turnover of imports within the WNBL. And you're right, it took a lot of oxygen out of a whole lot of other stories that the Flames had. There was a, a period there where it felt like, you know, the, the import thing was changing week to week. So I'm hoping that there'll be a lot more stability this season because if you look at the, the performance of the club, particularly in the back third of the season, they were improving. They were playing better together. 
and I don't necessarily think that bottom of the ladder was a great a great result for the club. They probably should have been further up the ladder than what they ended up being, and I think the whole import situation really contributed a lot to that. From what I felt like they did, they were improving a lot more toward the end of the season, and so I couldn't help but sit and wonder, thinking about with who they had on the roster, that it maybe situations obviously we can't doesn't there's not much sense to look and look back on, but what it could have been if maybe there had been a little more stability with the imports and maybe a little more cohesion because it seems like there there was a lot of promise there because I I had them going way farther but you know there was a lot of contributing factors to that. And I think, um, I mean, there were some imports who we saw sitting on the bench one game and then they were gone the next game. Like their the jersey or their name wasn't even on the website and they were already gone. But I also think in hindsight, it probably, it seems like the coaching staff took a, a, a lot longer than they would have liked to actually figure out their rotations and figure out what combinations were working the best because Morgan Yeager uh, was signed quite close to the season starting as a DP and she ends up like the sixth man by the end of the season she was great for them off the bench and contributed a lot and Shane ended up looking to her for like more and more minutes towards the end of the season I don't think that was something they were expecting and they signed people like Mahady and Pizzi into contracted positions and then and in the end Jaeger ended up playing more than them so I think it just took them a while you know an undesirable amount of time to get their combos right as well but I suppose that's why they've tried to lock in that core group that was working really well together. Um, you know, Kira Rowe, Keely Froling, uh, Kalani Purcell. Um, yeah. They made sure they signed them as quickly as they possibly could to carry that on to the next season. I think there's a lot of building blocks for them. And I'd say like the ones with the core group are coming back. But I think there's a lot of promise come in. And like it seems like Shane has a lot of, he has a vision, and I think the club has that. And I, I have a good feeling it's going to be different. Mm. But it's like where I will say, like I would decide as anyone to see Morgan Morgan Yeager come off the bench and do really well. Mm. Um, just saying, it's like I actually I was actually at Oregon as, at the same time as her, and but seeing her through all the ups and downs that she's been through in this year, like wow, like you know, I think that it was definitely like one of the coolest things I saw coming out last season, but. We'll see what happens, but, it seems like, but going back to all that, I think the building blocks are, are there. And especially with, like, Kalani, like, defensive player of the year or something, like, she was crazy. Oh, yeah. She just – I feel like she's one who's just done better, too. The other one that, that happened just recently that surprised me was Mikhail Roof moving to Townsville. Mm. Wasn't expecting that, but it does give Townsville a lot more under the basket. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Because they'll still have Zatina Suko. Yeah. Um, they'll still have Lara McSpadden as well. Yeah. But I think you're right there. You know, Lara and Zatina, they bought, they're also athletes that we have known for a long time. But because they started so young and they're still so young. But Michaela Roof, I think, will uh, really match the quick playing style and the really high intensity playing style of Lauren Nicholson and, and Steph Reed. Um, I think she'll complement them really well. And like you said, Paul, just give them a little bit more stability um, and experience in the basket. She's going to work really well because she has played with a lot of the, the Townsville players before from Sydney. Oh, yeah, that's true. She would have played with Lara and Loz. And... I think she was coached by Shannon too. Oh. 
Yeah, that that's a possibility, actually. I think she was. I think she was coached by Shannon. So you can kind of see, because there's a familiarity with some of the players, she should be able to fit in relatively quickly. Mm. And you're right, she's going to fit in well with the style of play. And, yeah, having... And I'm pretty confident that she was coached by Shannon before. So there's there's a familiarity that's there that I think is going to help help them gel. And I think they're going to be a bit of a dark horse for this, this upcoming season as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who else they sign, though, because, I mean, they've got Lauren, Zatina, Steph Reed, Courtney Woods, Lauren Spad, and then now Michaela Roof. There's still, I, I doubt Billings and Sutton are going to come back. Yeah. There's still a question mark around... Mia Murray, whether Michaela Cox is coming back. Biggest question mark for me in that lineup that I haven't heard any news about is Nadine Payne. Yeah. And and that's the other thing. It, you look at the list of all the players who are currently unsigned. Mm. And the first question that comes in your mind is, why? Yeah, why? Exactly <laughs> why. Okay. And so someone has also contacted me recently and said 80 to 90% of rosters have been signed. There's not a lot of roster spots left. So my next question is, why haven't they announced it? Yeah. Yeah. Get on with it. Yeah. Teams, announce, please. Yeah. I already. Mean, yeah. We have already received the information about when the preseason starts, when the actual season's going to start, which we were surprised about but very pleased about, you know, being given that information so early from the WNBL. Yep. But now the teams are, like, lagging on any of their announcements. Yeah, and the one that's surprising me a lot is Bendigo. There's not, yeah. there's, mm. there's a lot of empty slots there. Mm. I was yeah. going to ask you guys about that, actually, because I'm like, I don't know if it's just me or if I can't find anything or maybe my my scrubbing fields are just not as good, but I'm like, that it seems, from what I was seeing on the tracker, it's really light Yep. on the spirit front. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they, I mean, because they've lost now Garrick. I'm not too sure if Leilani Mitchell's going to re-sign next season or not. And Lavy is a bit of a mystery for me because I had her in my World Cup team and then I only learned afterward that she's actually withdrawn from any Opal's commitments and I'm noticing a lot of content online she's sharing is primarily focusing on the AFLW because she plays for Richmond Tigers. So I, I don't know if Lavy's coming back. Yeah, that's yeah. that's always a possibility because AFLW, are they ex- they're extending their season. they got more teams. Mm-hmm. for their upcoming season. So that could be enough to tip it over the edge because you've got to say that the demands of going from Bendigo to, to playing WNBL, going to Melbourne to play AFLW, if the number of games goes or their season gets longer, it's going to be it's going to be really tough. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough decision to make for Tessa, but she's still playing for Frankston in the NBL one, which is great, but she's already had a great career. She's gone to two Olympics. I would have loved to have seen her still in that mix for the World Cup. But, look, good on her. Um, the thing yeah. is, I didn't know about the AFLW part of it because I was looking for her name on the Opals roster. And it was kind of a red flag that she wasn't there for me. And now I know why. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, the other one that surprised me, again, given the performance last season, Alex Wilson. Yeah. Because, oh. you know, she she stepped in for Bendigo the performances that she put in for Bendigo were good. So unless unless Bendigo's planning got everybody signed up and they're planning on doing a big reveal, mm. uh, 
I mean, never slow know. reveal. These new owners might come in with a with a new plan of like how they're going to roll out information. Maybe they're going to mimic Perth a little bit more with, um, you know, Perth. I really like how Perth organize their social media and make their announcement. Everything is very well branded and sleek and like direct. Like when they post something online, you know exactly what they're communicating. Um, Perth. So Perth links. <laughs> Not the wildcats. Yeah, but. The but the, wild, the Wildcats' ownership is the same ownership. Yeah. So, I mean, in the bin with the Wildcats, just because I'm a Sydney Kings fan. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see if, if they change that. Like, yeah, because otherwise it's been crickets, but maybe they're working hard in silence. And so, yeah, maybe they'll come out and drop a bomb. Yeah, because the other one is it's also Adelaide. Again, you know, change of ownership. Mm. And there's still, I think, a lot, like Loz Mansfield has gone across to Adelaide, mm-hmm. um, which means they've got, there's five. So it's Steph Talbot, Chelsea Brooks, Sam Simons, Ella Badish, and Taylor Brazel, and now Loz. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of a lot of open slots there. Yeah, Taylor Ortlep has also signed to play AFLW for Carlton, and, you know, they, they've lost Alana Smith to Poland. So, yeah, there's still Abby Werong, Jasmine Fayo, Kylie Shook, Kiana Williams, Marina Whittle. <laughs> I think Kiana Williams ended up getting waived this WNBA season. So what do you think the likelihood of Shook and Williams is, of coming back is? I don't know. I mean, I, I'd like to see him back. I'd like to see him back in Adelaide. I'd like to see how Adelaide's going to perform, particularly with new ownership. I'm hearing rumours that they might be playing in a different stadium as well. And it would be great to get some sort of confirmation on what's happening in Adelaide with their roster particularly because, you know, there's a level of excitement that comes with ownership change for the fans. So now would be the time to capitalise on it. Yeah. I think I'd love to see Williams come back too. There can be a lot done there. Like, to your point, like, there's a great opportunity, especially with everything new coming in. Like, this is the time to get in with them. Yeah. And Canberra's also, I think, five or six of their slots signed up that we're aware of. And the rest is still open. They seem like they're going through a bit of a rebuilding phase because the the contracted players were all of the young and up and coming players. So you've got Melbourne, Swain, Potter. Yep. They were already existing, and they've re-signed Bunch and Smart to pay us. So it's like three up and comers and three, you know, very well experienced players. And then there's a big gap in between. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Bunts being the only big, the rest are all guards. So, and we're not getting Brittany Sykes back. And CG23 has now left the building. So, there's a big, big gap for some bigs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Kristen Veal does in in that space. I'm just, I'm just surprised that we've gotten to, you know, pretty much July, and we've still got so many announcements that haven't been made yet. Mm. When did the season actually start? Well, they did announce it. Uh, I know the preseason starts the same weekend as the FIBA Women's World Cup ending. Oh, yep. um, we are so again really close. The start of October is technically when preseason starts. I have a feeling that, because uh, from memory, and anyone out there, including both of you right now, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I had a feeling that last season was supposed to start in November and it got pushed back to December. I had that feeling too. 
so I think this sit time they are planning to definitely start on the 3rd of November and then wrap it up the 5th of March. Yeah. You know, so it's what? Probably about 100 days till WNBL preseason start. Mm. Um, it's very tight. Very tight between NBL 1 finishing. Um, you've got the World Cup in between. You've got people going to Europe. You've got lots of spots to be signed. Um, surely, well, everything must be signed and we just don't know the news. Surely. There's way too many gaps, way too many gaps. And I've heard rumours of uh, Jaeger going to Townsville. I've heard rumours of Pizzy perhaps going back to the Flyers because she was, and I quote, out of rotation at yeah. the Sydney Flames. Uh, and things like in the Southside Flyers, I mean, they've lost Jenna O'Hay, who retired. They've lost the Raid Taylor, who has signed also now with Richmond Tigers in the AFLW. Someone that they surely need to re-sign is Whittle Harmon. Yep. Someone who came over as an import, played Seaball for Danny Nong, still plays NBL 1 for Danny Nong, finally gets the call up to play WNBL. Sure, she didn't get a lot of minutes, but the minutes that she got, she played really, really well. And especially when the Flyers were out with injuries and COVID, she really stepped up a lot for their team. And, and I think she proved herself in the league. So I'm really hoping they re-sign her. You're thinking that maybe NBL one is actually delaying the the signings, only um, on the basis that people are watching their perform the performances of the players, trying to figure out you know who's who's the best for the mix that we're looking for. Um, perhaps, especially in Victoria, you know, South is like it's a crazy competitive in in NBL one South because, like, I get this feeling that the WNBL would be pushing the clubs to make their announcements, given that they're trying to ramp up the communication between the league and the fans. And to be fair, they've been doing a pretty good job of it so far. Mm. So to me, either the clubs have made the signings and are sitting on them, or honestly, I can't figure it out because you'd be wanting to get those names out. Even if you're drip-feeding them out one a week Mm. just to keep the level of interest up, it's the great question mark. So I feel like we've had more news about existing players leaving than mm. we have of players signing. Yeah. And the team that stick out for me in that situation is the Boomers. Reigning champs, you know, they've obviously got a great core that is already contracted with Kayla, George, Majin, Davidson. Lou Brown's signed for two years, so that's good, and so did Louis Scanlon. But we know Ezzy's going, we know Lindsay Allen's going. Izzy Wright retired. I think two of their DPs and Charlie's done are going to college. So that leaves a lot of people, including Tiffany Mitchell um, and Carly Ernst. But Carly Ernst, I've heard rumours, is going to Flyers. So it's, yeah. And I think I think what's also playing in it, Paul, and not so much NBL one but also the movement of coaches. So, you know, Chris Lucas going to Boomers. Yep. Yeah, and... Nat Hurst going to Adelaide and um, Coach Kennedy going to Bendigo. I think I think those things are also perhaps playing um, into the people's influence of making decisions. Okay, so if there's anything we can take out of this is clubs, let us know what's going on. Please, please. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> right, enough with this waiting business. It's just been radio silence from a lot of people. So like boomers, flyers. I mean, Townsville announced one. Canberra have announced three at least. Yeah. Uh, they did that quite quickly. But, yeah, otherwise it's just been 
I, particularly Bendigo Flyers yeah. and Boomers, silence. Yeah, Bendigo, th- their biggest splash so far is KG23 is coming back mm. and then static. I have a feeling I said CG23 before, didn't I? Oh, we knew what you meant. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to... I don't want to give Chris Golding our time. I want to get Kelsey. <laughs> Jeez. That's going to be too hard for Mary to edit out. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Just want to make sure our listeners are listening. Yeah. All right. So, look, you must know, Lyndon, that there's an unscripted question. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I think I know where to Yes. <laughs> now I'm in the hot seat. You're in the hot seat. So, yeah. for this one, out of all the literary characters that you've ever come across, who do you most identify with? It's a real curveball because we haven't asked anyone for literary characters before. Oh, okay. I think I'm going to say Katniss Everdeen from The Hunger Games because of her bravery and her resourcefulness and I think just the way that she went about everything. Uh, a lot of those, and I was actually, because I felt so closely tied to that character i was actually here for halloween two years ago so i feel like that kind of solidifies the the answer i try and embody that badass every day we should loop back and connect with you after a few weeks to get an update on what's happening in new zealand i mean yes we can watch the games but i really want to know more about what's happening in the league because i think going to be a lot of really good lessons from the new zealand league that could be applied to Australia to try and raise the level of the competition here too. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm really excited because I'm actually going to I'm lucky enough I'm gonna be going to the game in Christchurch on Wednesday night. So I'm actually gonna be able to so I'll see Polly and everybody. So I'll be able to share some stuff there. Um, and also like if there's anything that you guys want to see specifically or that people have like questions about or curious about throughout the season, like I'm happy to field all that. I'm happy to try and help answer and share, like, the show things as we go. Cool. So happy to do that too. Awesome. Lyndon, it's been great having you on the show with us. Jacinta, as always, it's been great. And your favourite topic, of course, free agency. Yep. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Can't wait to speak to you about what's happening in New Zealand soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Great. Thanks, Thank Lyndon. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.